Welcome back to Turf Talk, Potpourri Edition. Vance still has some Belmont Stakes topics to touch on and uh, some three-year-old Philly chatter as well. We'll start with the old stuff first. Uh, we teased last week uh, that we'd get to the rabbit discussion. I, I feel like it's uh, a part of racing enough that merits uh, you know, some discourse. I didn't have a problem with using a rabbit. We've, you and I both have watched enough international races. We've seen races here. It certainly happens. I thought the switch back to Pletcher after the race when Todd clearly wasn't on board was sort of the dubious part. I thought they did it the right way though. If that was the purpose, starting him with Asmussen, who it benefited creator, was the right move. I agree. I think the connections on both sides played this, uh, had this scenario worked out pretty well for both of them. Uh, they, when Star Folks took uh, Gettysburg away from Pletcher, it was rather dubious of running this horse against his own horse's benefits for uh, horses that he had for other clients. And uh, yeah, returning him to, to Pletcher after the race didn't make a whole lot of sense. And I thought Pletcher did the right thing, not accepting the horse right. back. And, and to be frank, you know, Gettysburg, I, didn't, I don't think ran too well in his race before the Belmont Stakes. He probably could use a different, uh, you know, different circuit possibly to get back into the winner's circle. So going well, to Steve Asmussen somewhere else might work out to his benefit as well. Yeah, and that, that's actually a part of it too is, I mean, he, he didn't belong. Uh, he wasn't a contender. He was a long shot for a reason. I mean, maybe the Gettysburg that we thought could emerge back in February, you'd say, oh yeah, he's a you know triple crown type horse. He was in there for one purpose, which he served. Uh, to me though, the, the grand announcement of, oh, well he's going back to Pletcher and, and Todd clearly not being on the same page there, I thought added a bit of bizarreness to it when until then I, I did think it was pretty much done above board. I mean, they said, we want a rabbit. He's going to the trainer who has a closer. Uh, was the aftermath but overall to me it's just part of strategy of racing we see a lot more in Europe not so much here because dirt's such a different dynamic but uh, you know to me it's okay yeah it's definitely okay and we probably used to see it a lot more back in the old days I can you know I've seen stories about Damascus having a rabbit oftentimes when he was running against Dr. Fager and Buckpasser and which greatly aided his chances of victory against uh, those two horses. So yeah, it's, it's something that we don't see too often anymore uh, in, in, in this country that at, the, at this time. But, uh, and, and especially it's a little different now because horses run uncoupled. Back in the old mm -hmm. days when you wanted to run a rabbit, you had to have an entry formed. And, that's, and having entries in major stakes races like the Triple Crown, we just don't see anymore. Right. So. Yeah, and you know, to me, in the conversation for one of the best, well, he is one of the best horses in the conversation for the best horse of all time, Frankel, uh, certainly at his rabbit, now a stallion here in America, Bullet Train, Better Talk Now, a, a favorite on the turf here at his rabbit and Shake the Bank. So uh, definitely a, a part of the game, more so in other jurisdictions, but, uh, you know, it worked so well at Belmont, uh, you know, maybe others will start to use it as well. Yeah. And, and especially uh, if you're Windstar with that kind of arsenal. Absolutely. And like you said, it's above, it was done all above board, above ground. Everybody in, everybody else in the race knew what this horse was in there for, what he was, was plan, what the strategy was. And so uh, there should be no complaints from anyone about this 
what happened in the Belmont. Right. All right. Well, uh, from three-year-old males to three-year-old females, Songbird returned after an illness that forced her to miss the Kentucky Oaks, uh, one as advertised in the summertime Oaks. Uh, looks like, barring the unforeseen, she is going to ship east. It sounds like Hollendorfer is talking CCA Oaks more. Porter, I've heard, mentioned the Delaware Oaks. Hollendorfer has shipped there before on several occasions with Blind Luck and others, so that wouldn't be a surprise. Either way, though, males, I'd be shocked if we saw it at all this year, but certainly not in the short-term plans. Yeah, it's not looking like that at all. And uh, actually, by going to the Saratoga route and the coaching club in the Alabama, which I assume would be afterwards, you know, she'll finally get some decent competition, I would think, in the CCA Oaks going a mile and an eighth. Probably not so much the Delaware Oaks since it's right. a grade three event. But, uh, yeah, she's... The, the exhibitions out in California are fun to watch, but that's basically what they have been since the beginning of the year exhibitions. It's about time she kind of stepped out of her uh, safe spot out in California and uh, traveled around so the rest of the country can see her and see what she can do against some of the other fillies in the East Coast. Yeah, and from a three-year-old perspective, she's undefeated. We know what she did against two-year-olds, but, I mean, she's still untested against Karina Mia, Catherine Sophia, that to me is a question we all want answered. And then from there, we can maybe talk about males, older females, certainly one of the two, hopefully, hopefully. for the end of the year. But I mean, we know is not shy about going to the cotillion, uh, which would be three-year-old females, which is why I think males is next year at best, because from the cotillion, I think you go to the distaff, not the classic. Yeah, and at, since the cotillion is a mile and a 16th, that also kind of Gives the other fillies, I think, in this crop a bit of more of a shot. Uh, Karina Mia uh, is a good mile and a sixteenth type filly. We'll, we'll see her going a mile and an eighth, perhaps, but I think a mile and a sixteenth with hit her straight between the eyes. And the same for uh, Catherine Sophia, who right. pretty much looks like a one-turn horse right now. Despite, I mean, she did win the Kentucky Oaks, but you know, seven furlongs a mile is really within her wheelhouse. So a mile and a sixteenth is really going to help those two. I think have a better shot of possibly taking down Songbird in an upset. Yeah, well, to me, the, the one maybe negative of why not try males at your peak uh, is something that you're writing about. We'll put the link in the description. But on Tappable, who looked invincible at three, other than against males in the Haskell, as you point out, never really replicated that form at four or five. Certainly a risk. We saw it with Rachel Alexandro. We saw it with uh, others through the years. Four to five, five to six, just totally different from three to four. It just seems that jump is not an easy one for Phillies to make and would certainly be a risk with Songbird. Yeah, that's very true. Uh, yeah, I write about Untappable, how I think uh, possibly the connections didn't uh, pull the plug on her racing career quite early enough considering uh, you know, she hadn't won after the Apple Blossom last year. She finished her career this past Saturday in the Fleur de Lis running, four, running fourth, beaten over nine lengths over a track she had previously been undefeated over. Uh, yeah, there's just a, there's a point in the, in the racing career of horses where maybe they just hang around a bit too long, and that's the argument I kind of make with Untappable. Uh, she didn't replicate her uh, three-year-old form as a four-year-old last year. It was unfortunate, but uh, I think that the end of last year was probably the time to say our goodbyes and thank <laughs> her for giving us some great memories. Yeah, well, and I thought, you know, last year you, you brought up the, some of the horses beating her, you know, legit grade one horses we're still hearing from now. Horses she was losing to this year, I, I mean, they're just, they're not grade one horses other than 
in name only when they were grade one races, but just she's not at that league anymore. No, she she's is. a champion, and yeah, time time to move on, and we wish her luck. Yeah, it's it's kind of hard to see established champions lose their form and keep on running well past their peak, especially uh, in the case of Untappable when a second career as a broodmare is right around the corner. It's time. It was time, obviously, probably late last year, where it was time for her to go to that second career. Right, and she is by Tappet, so that uh, adds even no, more. Absolutely. I mean, she didn't. You know, the black type is there, but you put that sire power. Uh, with all he's done this year, and yeah, I mean they should they should do all right. Uh, I imagine they will wait till next year though. Like they're, oh, they're yeah, out of yeah. time for this they're year. out of time this year, so we'll see the the new the uh, untappable maybe in about three years or so. All right, well that sounds good. That'll do it for us for turf talk, and uh, you and I will both be out of town later this week. Uh, enjoy the amusement rides. I'll be in in Titletown for the Ohio Derby. Uh, so we'll wrap all that up. You are back next week, though. I will be back next week. All right. We'll talk to you then on Turf Talk.